Hey everyone, I have an announcement to make. We finally have our own website. Yes, it took us half a year, but we finally have a place to call our own on the internet. You can find us at twotoppodcast.com. That's the number two, toppodcast.com. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. The more support, the better. Thanks for everything, guys. Now enjoy this episode of Two Top. Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. Uh, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Uh, you may be listening to whenever you'd like because we are a podcast on demand, but we are up really early for this podcast just for you guys. So you ready, Matt? I'm ready. All right. Uh, what's my topic? Okay. So I was thinking, <laughs> do I go really deep in the morning but or do I go really lighthearted? And I'm giving you a choice, Matt. What are, wh- what's the route of today's podcast? Let's go lighthearted. Let's make it fun. Lighthearted. Well, today we're going to be talking about sprinkles then. Sprinkles. Yes. Like like Jimmy sprinkles? Like ice the, cream sprinkles. The confectionery topping of sprinkles. You call them Jimmy's, which is very I imp- just said Jimmy's just to give it another name. Well, uh, as we dive into it, let's talk about the fact that Jimmy's is a Philadelphia Boston area lingo. Really? Yeah, Jimmy's comes from our area. Quite appropriate cuz we're in Philadelphia. We are. So there's actually uh, a couple terminologies when it comes to sprinkles, similar to how last week was with cheese. Um, you got your regular sprinkles, which we call sprinkles, you know, the long, skinny, pa- uh, pastel-looking guys, which are just all sugar. All sprinkles are made out of sugar, from what I found. But the you can have different shapes and different sizes, and different countries do it different ways. So what we call sprinkles, the long, the long kind of pastel looking guys, they are actually known as um, sugar strands or hundreds and thousands in British English. So instead of saying, do you want sprinkles on that? They say, do you want sugar strands? Sugar strands on that? Yeah. That doesn't have a ring to it. No, it's not as good. It's not as good. And then in our area, we call them Jimmies. I I don't know. I've never called the I've never called them Jimmies. No, I know I normally call them Jimmies to like kind of make fun of the concept of putting Jimmies or sprinkles on your ice cream. I, I would call it sprinkles. Yeah, I I think sprinkles is the better route. And let's get this straight: they're not made out of magic. They're made out of sugar. No, they're straight sugar. Straight even, sugar. Even um, I was looking into it. Even the invention of chocolate with, quote, chocolate sprinkles. in The American chocolate sprinkles are not even chocolate normally. They were actually just sugar that looked brown. <laughs> oh. But the Europeans do it right. So we may have just our sugary sugar candy, but if you go over the seas to the Dutch, the Dutch do sprinkles right. We got your Belgians, your Dutch, your Netherlands. They, when they make sprinkles, they make sprinkles out of chocolate and they eat it with their breakfast. Ooh, so what a brilliant idea. Like I personally, uh, having a Belgian mom, I've eaten sprinkles for breakfast and they are quite delicious. 
Like, oh. a, like a nice toasted piece of bread with butter and sprinkles. Butter and sprinkles. Yeah. And they're chocolate, like legit chocolate sprinkles too. So it's like, it's, it's good quality stuff. We, Americans have been doing it wrong for years. Americans have been doing it wrong. It's good. We limit it only to ice cream, right? We limit it pretty much to ice cream and cupcakes. And, and cupcakes, yeah. And on like frosting. But there's so much potential. You could think of what you could do if you had sprinkles for breakfast. Does that not sound super American? Well, now I just want to keep a little little shaker of sprinkles around. You know, you can just throw it on anything. I do have a container of sprinkles at my place because I do really enjoy sprinkles. Are they the sugar strand types or yes. are they the little ones? My sugar strands. Your sugar strands. Well, because like there's a bunch of different shapes and sizes as well. You can get like the little pearly balls, which yeah. I don't like as much because they kind of crunch. They're hard, harder. Yeah. yeah. But I really like... My my sugar strands. I like the uh, star ones too. The more I say stars. sugar strands, though, it's kind of it's kind of growing on me. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a sugar strand. It is a sugar. Strand. And I was just gonna say that's what sprinkles are. It's just sugar. So there's nothing wrong with putting sugar on something that could need a little sweetness. You know, frosting and sugar just caked on top of each other. On everything, on your toast. That sounds really good. So sprinkles are obviously used on frosting ice cream and stuff. But um, there's actually some like treats, some baked goods that you can get that incorporate sprinkles. You have confetti cake, which has sprinkles mixed into the batter, which slowly dissolves, which forms little colored spots, which make it look like confetti in a cake. Oh, I'm a fan of baking the, the funfetti cake mixes. They are a quality cake mix. It's a quality cake mix. Plus, it's just like the regular, like, sweet, sweet, out-of-the-box cake mix that you love, so... And then uh, they have something called fairy bread, which is pretty much just bread with sprinkles in it. And it's an Australia, New Zealand thing. But, you know, sprinkles make the world go around. Is the Australian version, is that like a pre-made good, the fairy bread? Or is it something you make at home kind of with a recipe? I think it's from the looks of what I saw on the Wikipedia page I just closed. It looks like it's something that is baked, like made, and you buy it from stores. Oh, nice! Fairy bread. I wonder if you could get that over here. Uh, depends on where you look. I, I don't think they sell baked products here unless you go to like an Australian baker. But then again, an Australian baker is not something you find. <laughs> Let me go to my local Australian baker down the street. Australian bakeries are not definitely as well known, well received as maybe a, a French bakery, an yeah. Italian bakery. Oh, yeah. They're much more common. I've but never hey, heard of an Australian baker. Yeah, let's start up a pop-up uh Australian, Australian bakery. bakery. That doesn't even sound right. Like the more I say it. Australian bakery. What else would we serve? Maybe like some Vegemite. On stuff. Have you ever had Vegemite? No, I haven't. Yeah, oh, have man. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, Many people love it. That's like their version of like peanut butter and jelly. It's like Vegemite, Vegemite. sandwiches. Ooh. No way. It's just so, it tastes salty. And I hope their fairy bread tastes better than Vegemite. Well, in reality, the fairy bread should taste good because it sprinkles on bread and that sounds delicious. Absolutely. But, I would love to have some sprinkles on toast right now. I didn't have breakfast this morning. I didn't have breakfast yet either, and it's and it's about that time. I'm going right into class after this too. It, it's fine. Today is a fine day filled with sprinkles and good talks. <laughs> sprinkles has a magical connotation with it. 
Well, yeah, you'd like see a unicorn and like eats <laughs> sprinkles and poops out rainbows. It's sprinkles are like the purest thing in the world. It's a very innocent symbol, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I do like sprinkles add a texture like to a like a soft serve ice cream cone, like from Corbros or something. Well, when you get it dipped in sprinkles. It tastes delicious. And you know it's not like a soft dusting of sprinkles. They like dip that. It's a coating. Which reminds me, there's this place in South Street called Big Gay Ice Cream. I know it. Do you know, like, sprinkles are free there, which I think should be at all places, free sprinkles. Yeah, it's easily accessible. Sprinkles are not expensive, yeah. They're pretty cheap. But what they do is when you get your ice cream and you ask for sprinkles, they put the sprinkles in first, then put the ice cream on, and then smother it in more sprinkles. That's brilliant. That way you get maximum coverage of sprinkles. Like finishing off an ice cream and then having sprinkles to end off your ice cream meal, it's almost like a nice dessert for your dessert. Dessert for your dessert. Just lick up the sprinkles at the bottom. But I enjoy sprinkles. They are a delicious thing, and I enjoy to eat them. Absolutely. I wish I had some uh, little sprinkler. Would you call them like a sprinkle shaker or like a, I guess a little. Uh, A Parmesan cheese shaker, but instead of Parmesan cheese. It's like salt and pepper shakers, but then there's a sprinkle shaker. Is that the technical term? So it's like the brown one for pepper, the white one for salt, and then the rainbow one for sprinkles. (laughs) Just leave it on your table at all times. Actually, that would be a funny thing. Uh, Elf would have that. He would. Yeah, Yeah. he would have it up his sleeve. (laughs) Little buddy the elf. Just like his maple syrup. And pixie sticks. And pixie sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sprinkles. Uh, I could have some sprinkles. Uh, it's it, sprinkles for breakfast. Actually, I they are not really nutritious either. They're just little balls of sugar. It's just sugar. Straight sugar. Nothing but sugar. Probably not the best for you, but they're so small that they can't kill you. So you're fine. Maybe eventually enough. I mean, eventually, but like, not now. Not later. You'll be fine. But since we've somehow been able to talk about sprinkles for nine minutes, please, Matt, tell me your topic. <laughs> please, I beg you. Well, today I want to take a little cultural dive into the heartland of Mexico, specifically Mexico, Western, specifically Western Mexico. You know what's in Western Mexico? California. Well, California <laughs> is up to the north, but when you go down south, you're going to find a little something called mariachi. Oh, the mariachi bands. Yes, the mariachi bands. Are we talking about mariachi? We're talking about mariachi. Oh, dang. I thought it would be a great topic, you know, because a lot of people don't know what a true mariachi is. Mariachi is like a cultural movement. It's an art. So let me give you a little history about it. You're going to like mariachi after this, and you're going to want... I mean, I like mariachi now, so please enlighten me with more mariachi facts. It's like a novelty thing, but it's such a a deep and rich history. So here, let's go into a little bit of history of it. Uh, Mariachi is a musical expression that dates all the way back to um, at least the 18th century in Western Mexico. It is a tradition that is defined by eight socio-musical elements. So there's eight things that make up mariachi to be what it is. A sombrero... That's part of it, that, the outfit. So we have mariachi instrumentation and texture, musical genres and subgenres, performance methods and styles, singing styles and forms, dance styles, performative space, performance clothing, and the word mariachi itself. The last one is mariachi itself? Yes, that's because that's an not important the, factor. That's not the true name. That's, the, um, that's an urban 
version of the actual type of music that it is. Oh, mariachi the, the is kind of like the urban slang of mariachi. Like urban slang. There was actually another name, which I'll get to. So each element has its own history. They all come from different uh, time periods and different regions in Western Mexico. From the 19th to the 20th century, migrations from rural areas moved people into cities such as Guadalajara and Mexico City. So the Mexican government's cultural promotion gradually relabeled mariachi as sun style. So it's called sun style. That's like S-O-N style. That's the actual name of it. Uh, mariachi is the alternate name becoming used for like the urban street name. That's like, oh, mariachi. Sun style is like calling like, I mean, you can argue that like rock and roll is actually like blues music. No one calls it blues music like you wouldn't call a rock band on the radio a blues band you know i know at its core it's blues well you wouldn't call a mariachi band a sun band but it is like that's the style so modifications of the music include influences from other music such as like polkas and waltzes and you can hear it in the music it sounds kind of like a polka and waltz like a european type of thing uh with the addition of trumpets and the use of uh charo outfits that's that's what they wear the charo outfit so the charo outfit consists of a waist-length jacket, bow ties, fitted pants, boots, and sombreros. Um, and sometimes they don't wear boots. They wear these typical sandals that are, like, made out of, um, like, a, like a hemp weave type of thing. They're kind of like um, like Birkenstock type sandals. Okay, you know? I can so see that. Pretty stylish. And if you can, you can, I'm sure you can picture a mariachi band in your head. They're all elaborately dressed, big sombreros, you know. They're all, like, clean cut men you know and typically you picture men but there's actually women growing into the scene well i feel like if i remember correctly are there women dancers in the mariachis with the flowing dresses absolutely mariachi is also there's a, a styles of dances that goes along with the music that kind of tells the story of mariachi it's a whole production you know it's not just a band that plays music so the musical style began to take on national prominence in the first half of the 20th century with its promotion at uh, presidential inaugurations and on the radio in the 1920s. Presidential? Uh, Mexican presidential inaugurations? Yes, okay. but also American presidents. And actually, if you go online and look up mariachi band uh, with president, you can see all the U.S. presidents that have had mariachi bands play for them. So there's some funny pictures of like, um, I guess there's one of Bill Clinton like standing Mr. Ray. Saxman playing with the mariachis. Yeah, it was, it's just there's some funny pictures and it's just it's such a funny split between culture. And I wonder if our current president would invite a mariachi band to play for him. You know, if just he's really if he's really desperate, maybe he will <laughs> make some friends. So the common perception of the music and look of mariachi developed in the 20th century as the music was um, transformed from regional rural folk music to a more urban phenomenon that came to represent Mexico. So it's a total icon of Mexico now, right? Yeah. Like if I told you mariachi, would you tell me Mexico before I told you it came from Mexico? Yeah, it's. I know it's not something from Spain. It's yeah, it's a specifically Mexican thing. So this was the birth of mariachi band that we can picture in our heads today. So let's talk about like the form, the structure of the mariachi band. So the size of the mariachi group depends um, on the availability of musicians, which is pretty cool. So at the at the core, um, it's normally like at least four people, but the usual mariachi group consists as many as like eight violins, two trumpets, and one guitar. So like, a, what's that, 11 people? 
Um, traditional mariachi guitars include the vihuela, a high-pitched roundback guitar that provides rhythm. There's a bass guitar ca called the guitaron. Um, it provides rhythm also. And there's sometimes a Mexican folk harp that provides bass and ornaments the melody. So these instruments are really elaborate and they're kind of funny looking. Like you always see the one guy in the back with a giant guitar, you know? Yeah. It's like and, a stand-up bass, but not quite. And those are very specific to the mariachi style. Oh, yeah. They're just like Western folk Mexican instruments, you know, that they're just like, you know what, let's put them all together and let's get a little orchestra of music and start singing about you know, love and like celebration. A lot of it has to do with religion. So they're all Mexican variations of like European instruments, but they're strictly Mexican. Like you wouldn't find those exact instruments. Um, generally, there's no lead singer in mariachi as in other kinds of groups uh, with players. They all sing choruses and take turns singing the lead. Often they choose like a lead singer for a song depending on like their, their voice quality. Uh, the voice must be really strong to heard to be heard over amplified instruments, which is important because back in the day they didn't have like speakers to blast the music, so they would have to sing loud, you know. Yeah, you have to sing over the trumpets and all the guitars, and I can imagine you're belting. And if you've heard a mariachi band, they're loud, you know. Like you can you can tell when there's one nearby. You're like, wait a minute, is that music in the back of my head? No, it's a mariachi band. <laughs> So I said historically mariachi groups have been um, made up of men, but there's actually a growing acceptance of female mariachis. So there's actually uh, a mariachi summit competition every year that has women groups, like all full of women, which is really cool, you know, because that's something new. And I, I personally haven't heard of female mariachi group. But that's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool, yeah. It's cool that they're accepting that now because it was like a historical thing, you know, and they, they're changing because they're like, why not? Like everybody can do it. Exactly. So most mariachi groups are associated with family and religious celebrations along with like serenades. So if you want to like serenade someone, you can hire a mariachi band to come out. One of the most common pieces played by mariachis is called Las Mañananitas. Um, and it's for like birthdays and celebrations of patron saints. Uh, the promotion of mariachi as represented of Mexico has led to the formation of mariachi groups in many countries. So mariachi groups can be found in Argentina, Aruba, Egypt, Chile, Cuba, Spain, Croatia, Uruguay, Sweden, Peru, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, and even like Venezuela. So they're everywhere. See, as you're listing this off, I was like, all right, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then you said Egypt. Yeah, and then you right? said Swiss, Sweden, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> why Why does Sweden have mariachi? I guess it's just like a maybe there's some immigrants over there, you know, that just wanted to bring it over. And then I bet they have their own flair on it, too, playing maybe like indigenous instruments to that region, like in Egypt. Maybe they'll be playing some sort of Egyptian flute or something. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear a variation like that. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's your hobby? I'm in a Swedish mariachi group. <laughs> So um, they part with every, every year they participate in Guadalajara's International Mariachi and Chararia Conference. So it's like a big event where all the mariachis come that together. That just sounds like a party. It just sounds like a party full of mariachi bands. It's like you just see groups of like people just walking by all in the matching outfits, you know? How cool would that be? So the last thing I want to say is, Thomas, you can hire a mariachi group to come to your birthday, wedding, serenading event you can hire it um a professional mariachi band can cost between this is a rough estimate 350 to like 650 an hour 
um, depending on your location, the travel costs, and obviously the number of band members that show up. Well, that's uh, that's not bad at all. I might as well just hire them for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, right. Homecoming's coming up. Might as well party with the mariachis. The mariachis. Los mariachis. But uh, Is that what they, like, what would you call a group? Would you call them a mariachi band? Mariachis? You call them La Banda. Like a, like a band of mariachis. La banda de mariachis. All right. Yeah. All right. And, and do you know anyone who's hired a mariachi band? No, I have not known anybody. Have you? I feel like yeah. you have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of the people I work with have, have them at their birthday parties. Quinceaneras, <laughs> like birthday parties for their young daughters, you know. It, it's just great. And I would love to have one. If I if I did throw like a, an elaborate party, I would have to get a mariachi band because how cool is that? You hey, know? I mean, if it's an elaborate party, the mariachis have to be there. Just a guest appearance would be thrilling, you know? I get that. <laughs> so that is uh, a little bit about mariachi bands. Now you know. Now there's we know. Deep and rich history. That there's dating back a lot more to mariachis than there are to sprinkles. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> well, you know what? They both have something in common. You can throw a party. You can bring the sprinkles. You can bring the mariachi. mariachi. It's going to be a kicking party no matter what. You got it. But hey, those are just two topics. And we'll have two more for you guys next week. Oh, my God. I'm tired. And now off to class. <laughs> now off to class. What a great way to start the day. Uh, yeah, some, some could say that. All right. See you guys. Peace. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.